Hello everyone and welcome to a special mini-episode of RaiderCast. Today is February 14th, while lots of people will know that as Valentine's Day, Tomb Raider fans will also know it as Lara's birthday. So let me start this by saying happy birthday Lara. But also, as of recording this episode, February 14th 2023 marks the three-year anniversary of this podcast. While I normally love to make both audio and video episodes of each podcast episode, this one is audio only, and it goes out to celebrate the 30,000 plays, the incredibly humbling 30,000 plays this little podcast has had since it started three years ago. Thank you so much for continuing to listen. It really means the world to me, and I am so, so excited for everything that I have planned for this podcast in the future. Now, to celebrate the three-year anniversary, I went digging for something that I remembered that I wrote a long, long time ago, and it turns out that I actually wrote it in May of 2010. It's only a couple of pages long, but I'm going to read it to you now, because looking over it, it's quite fun, if not a little dated. This was my attempt at creating a unified timeline before it was cool. This document is titled, The Grand Unifying Theory of Tomb Raider Mythology, brackets, takes an open mind. So as this was written in 2010, this was before the reboot, but after Underworld. So that's where we're approaching this from. And it was my way of trying to blend together the backstories of Tomb Raider as it was then, the classics and the LAU trilogy, which I still think can be done as a note. I still think it can be done but you kind of have to take Lara out of the equation, but that's another matter. Anyway, let's dive into this document. Let's say millions upon millions of years ago, a race of aliens known today as the Ancients inhabited Earth among many other planets. They planned to conquer as many planets as they could by installing doomsday devices on their weakest parts and rending them asunder, causing global cataclysms that would eventually settle and leave a whole planet free of life so that they could colonise it as they saw fit. Let's say the Ancients were winged beings and spawned some of the mythology of ancient Earth's cultures. However, only a certain evolutionary stage of Ancients would grow wings, while others would remain without and resemble what the popular media now call alien greys. Around the same time, the Ancients were at war with a fiercely territorial race known as the Atlans. Let's say these were humanoid, bipedal in appearance. They manufactured weapons that could slay their seemingly immortal Atlan enemies, such as Thor's hammer being one such weapon. During this war far away in space, the Atlans won a major battle and succeeded in capturing a highly valuable piece of ancient technology, a vast store of knowledge and power that they came to call the Skion. With the power of the Skion, they attempted a middle ground breeding project to see if they could create an impartial being who could serve as a peacemaker between the two races. Thus, Natla was created as the only winged humanoid from spliced DNA of an ancient known as Athena, which spawned her warlike traits, and also of an Atlan known as Qualapec, referred to after as her brother. 
Natla grew up knowing she was destined to unite the Atlan and the ancient races. The Atlans called Qualapec and Tihokan, and the newly created Natla used the power of the Skion to seek out ancient inhabited worlds. Sometime later, they discover Earth, which has been abandoned by ancients who are off fighting in the war. Claiming their landing place as their own, they dubbed it Atlantis, and upon gaining reverence from the human inhabitants of Earth, the three, Tihokan, Qualapec and Natla, dubbed themselves as God Kings. Yet Natla's lust for power soon grew in clandestine as she studied the knowledge of the Skion and learned its ancient secrets. Some of this knowledge she shared with the other God Kings on how to use the Skion to breed an army of slaves for Atlantis by using genetically modified jaguar fetuses. In her secret studies, Natla became more and more obsessed with the Ancients' cause, and seeing as ancient blood ran through her veins, she adopted that cause for herself. Earth was rightly hers. It had been tainted by the Atlanteans, who had corrupted the humans into wrongly worshipping them, when naturally, they should be worshipping the Ancients who seeded life on Earth. From the Skion, Natla learned of the ancient doomsday devices buried deep within Earth for the purpose of resetting the planets and purging all mortal life away. Perfect for wiping the slate clean and starting again, with her as goddess overall. Meanwhile, more Atlans visited Atlantis and were assigned regions to rule over across the planet. These became some of the other gods of Earth's cultures, for example, Horus and Set. Down the line, after the fall of Natla, these Atlantean gods would battle for rulership over the land known as Egypt, Set would lose, and Horus would use Atlantean technology to fashion a locking device and seal the immortal Set in prison forever, aka the Amulet of Horus. Then a meteorite smashes into Antarctica. The local tribes people worship the rock, which grants them strange powers. They fashion the rock into artifacts, such as the Infada Stone, the Aura Dagger, and more. This meteorite substance was known to the ancients, who, remember, looked like alien greys, some having wings and others not, who used it to occasionally fuel their war vessels for interstellar travel. Millennia later, one of these crafts would crash into Nevada and be dragged into Area 51. Around the same time as the meteor, it would be discovered that these ancients had violated their own human creations and attempted to copulate with them, resulting in a race of human-ancient hybrids known as Nephilim. The Sleeper was one such being. Back to Natla. Natla plans to use the Skion to command the Atlantean army to attack Atlantis while she attempts to use the Doomsday Mechanism to purge the world, resetting it ready for her to rule over all, known fondly as the Seventh Age. Eventually, Natla puts her plan into action, launching her assault on Qualapec and Tihokan with the armies of Atlantis so that she can steal their pieces of the Skion and then discover the location of Helheim and the Doomsday Mechanism from their combined knowledge. She maims Qualapec, however, Tihokan uses his powers to capture her. Natla is put on trial and sealed inside a crystal for all eternity. Her piece of the Skion is locked away in Egypt, guarded by Horus and Set. Hence the statues beneath the Sphinx, especially in Tomb Raider 1, brackets, since I think that one looks more like Set, close brackets. Over the following years, Atlantis is struck by a cataclysm. 
Qualapec and Tihokan are parted and assume rulership over different parts of Earth. There, they rule until they expire into a state of hibernation, guarding their individual pieces of the Skion. Sometime later, Tihokan leaves his tomb, deciding to take a more active role in history. He learns more of the devices and technology built by the ancient race, especially that of the Diocese and the Excalibur Swords. Using his knowledge, he guided certain people to greatness. To the Queen of Tiwanaku, he was Tanupa, the god of creation who wielded a magic sword. Upon her death, he worked his Atlantean magic, and as with Natla, he sealed her body inside a crystal. Later on throughout history, he guides a young Celtic boy on his journey to royalty, King Arthur. As Merlin, he teaches him tales of Avalon. Upon Arthur's death, he once again works his Atlantean magic and seals his body inside a crystal, before vanishing from human history and hasn't been seen since. Centuries later, nuclear testing in Los Alamos revealed a mysterious crystal device that cracked open, setting Natla loose upon the world. Cue the events of Tomb Raider 1, Anniversary 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, Legend and Underworld. The End. So much of this is really cheesy, and yet so much of this is also stuff that I still rant and rave about, such as Tihokan wandering around, guiding people, sealing people inside crystals. <sighs> but yeah, I thought I'd share that with you. Because that was really fun to read through and to see where I was back 13 years ago. But it's interesting. I don't think I would change much, to be honest. If I was to do this again today, I don't think I'd change much of this mythology. I think the Ancients and the Atlanteans, the powers of meteorites, Atlantean technology, it's all still strewn throughout the entire series. Anyway, once again, happy birthday, Lara, and thank you to all you listeners for three years of Raidercast. Here's to several more. Happy raiding!